And welcome in to this week's edition of the Sports Roundtable. I am your host tonight, Kelly Gamble, filling in for Aaron Host, who has a commitment that he has to take care of for the next two to three weeks. And beside me tonight is Neil Waldeck. How are you doing, Neil? I'm doing good, Kelly. You? I am doing absolutely wonderful. And again, this is June 11th. It's a Tuesday. And uh, this edition of the Sports Roundtable is being brought to you by Brouhaha and Kingwood where the coffee beans are roasted in-house and the coffee is delicious. Also by Three Guys Fitness in Reedsville. And if you mentioned that you heard this ad here off the Sports Roundtable from 96.7, have $5 off your initial membership. And also from Parks and Brewston Mills, they have all your Kubota tractors and equipment that you could ever want or need. So uh, that's our sponsors for tonight. And we're looking forward to bringing you uh, another night um, of sports. And we will get started off with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And uh, we've been talking a lot about Pirate Baseball to you here on the Sports Roundtable. And right now, the Pirates, Neil, was in a bit of a slide. They've uh, lost four games in a row. Uh, They had a a moment where they lost three out of four to Milwaukee. They then uh, lose the opener to Atlanta. They then win two in a row against the Braves and then go into Milwaukee. They get swept three games and then back into Atlanta again. So it's kind of... It's been Milwaukee, Atlanta, Milwaukee, Atlanta, and that's kind of rare. don't happen all the time. Uh, but right now, they have not fared very well. Again, four-game losing streak. As we speak right now, going into the game, the second game of the series against Atlanta tonight, uh, had an incident last night with uh, Musgrove, and uh, that really hurts the starting pitching. It does, uh, Kelly. Uh, Musgrove and the other player for Atlanta, and I lost his name there, but had a few words, and... Instead of ejecting the one, which I know Clint Hurdle was upset, he knew that that was going to hurt his team uh, once they lost uh, Musgrove because their bullpen just is not there. They don't have no one in the bullpen except for Lariano and also Creek. Creek Creek is still Mm -hmm. in the uh, bullpen. Maybe those are your two anchors of that bullpen. The rest of them are very young rookies coming in from the minor leagues, and there's just no depth at that uh, bullpen, and that's going to cause an issue if this team wants to continue. Right now, they're five games below 500. This is the worst they've been since the beginning of the season, and where you want to be is close to 500 ball, uh, at least to the all-star break, and, and stay in that play uh uh, you know, the, in the playoff uh, contention at the 500 mark. But right now, you're five games below. That could cause problems, especially if this slide continues here. Absolutely, and there's no doubt that the uh, the main culprit for the Pirates right now is their pitching staff. Uh, they're starting pitching, as we know, that Jamison Talion has been on the disabled list. Also, Williams has been down. So the Pirates have been decimated, as we know, with uh, pitching problems and with injuries, uh, which does tax that bullpen because whenever you have a starter that is basically coming up from AAA, uh, in some cases even AA, uh, maybe get beat up pretty good and only have uh, two innings pitched. Uh, In one case, we had a a game where there was a spot starter come in from the bullpen and only pitched two-thirds of an inning and gave up uh, five runs quickly. Uh, we had Keller come up from the minor leagues, which is a, a future star in the Pirates organization from what uh, all the prognosticators are saying. But he gets tagged for six runs in the first inning in a game that he pitched, and that really does hurt the bullpen. And Liriano, until recently, was pitching very well, hasn't had an ERA well under two, but now Liriano is starting to get stretched. 
Uh, he's having to come in and pitch a little more innings, and with his uh, his age, and you know, he used to be a, a pirate starter whenever they was doing well in the AJ Burnett era and McCutcheon, and when they made the playoffs. But Lariano now is starting to get touched. Kyle Crick again is usually going to be the the eighth inning man, and then you have the the nightmare uh, Felipe Vasquez that has always done a good job, but this last week. He as well blew his first save of the year. So the bullpen is starting to get very, very tired uh, because of the lack of innings by the, the Pirates starters, starting pitching staff. Um, and with that said, uh, you can't just keep going into your bullpen and trying to get these spot starters. Uh, they bring up Kingham. Kingham at one time was starting, then they put him in the bullpen, they put him back and forth. But every game that Kingham has been pitching right now, he's been getting shellacked. And so I think that they're going to have to find somehow, some way to, to stop the bleeding and stop it quickly, Neil, because I've always been one that says that by the All-Star break, you need to be at least four to five games, no more than that, because it's a, it's a long haul, and you, anybody can get hot or cold, but you want to stay, as you said, in contention. And then if you get so far behind, then it's going to be um, hard to catch back up, especially when you're in the division with Chicago Cubs who picked up a, a great uh, pitcher, relief pitcher for them in Kimball. And also you got the Milwaukee Brewers, which we just uh, lost three games in a row to them. Yeah. So when you're playing in a division like that, you have to find ways to win. One of those is you could trade here, and word has it that the Pirates may be interested in finding a trade partner to take outfielder Corey Dickerson. Now, According to the reports that I'm reading, Dickerson, of course, is 30 years old. Dick Kelly, uh, he makes uh, he's in his uh, last year of his uh, final contract. He's making about 8.5 million, and the Pirates are facing, of course, as we just mentioned, obvious roster pressures in several areas, especially in the bullpen. Now, the club is currently carrying only three starters. Uh, right now as well. So you could maybe trade Dickerson for a starter or trade him for some bullpen uh, work there as well. So it depends on probably what's made available, what is best. And uh, Dickerson, um, if you remember, was just brought back from the injured list. Uh, So he's only like six games into his season. Uh, In the interim, the club lost another left-handed hitting corner piece in Lonnie Chisenhall. So he's probably gone for the whole year. Chisenhall's probably out. Um, But, uh, of course, they did get uh, Gregory Polanco back. And then the one thing that they got in a uh, deal was Melky Cabrera. Uh, He has been a a switch-hitting veteran who has really uh, been able to help the Pirates offensively. And then you bring in uh, Brian Reynolds, a switch-hitter, and he has burst onto the scene. Now, Cabrera is said to be a drawing interest, though, Kelly, from contenders as well, which... You know the pirates. Uh, do you if you're getting some interest that could maybe bring you a pitcher? Do you let Cabrera go? Uh, absolutely. Right now he's a veteran anyway. That was actually there to be a, a position player off the bench as far as filling in an outfield spot because everybody assumed that the once Polanco got healthy that Polanco would be in right, Marte in center, and Dickerson in left. But because of Dickerson's injury, as you said, Brian Reynolds comes onto the scene and the kid has done nothing but hit. Uh, so Reynolds having Reynolds right now 
gives the Pirates that room for those trading rumors with Dickerson and Cabrera both. And also you have some young uh, Jason Martin who came up early in the season. Yeah. Uh, also was an outfielder that could come up again as he's already gotten some experience early in this year. So, yeah, you have uh, and Melky Cabrera and uh, Corey Dickerson, two people because of the fact of Reynolds' presence right now, uh, they definitely need starting pitching. Now, if you get starting pitching and you lose some of these guys and they go on to do well, that seems to be the fan sometimes, Neil, whenever we see what happened, whenever Meadows, Austin Meadows, goes to Tampa Bay and people say that they they didn't hold on to him long enough. And then same thing with Tyler Glass now. But I think, as I said last week on on here with uh, Aaron Host, that you just never know whether that's going to work out or not work out because when a guy doesn't produce and you give him ample time and then they go somewhere else and perform – those things are going to happen at times, and you just never know. So it's, the fans like to sometimes complain. But in this case, you got two veterans, Dickerson and Cabrera. So you're not losing a young kid. You've got somebody who's already been experienced. They have that time. And so now that you have Reynolds, I think definitely you could trade either one or both and still be okay. And I think more teams are more likely to be interested in Cabrera because uh, 185 plate appearances so far this season – his batting average is, is right currently right now three thirty five, but he has batted at three seventy five and four sixty two. So his numbers have kind of slightly went down, but he's also uh, playing less time. But if you were a another team and you're looking for some offense, the question is: is Corey Dickerson has not been playing all that much, but Cabrera has. So who would you more likely be wanting to take? I would be wanting to take the milkman. Uh, that's well, just my thought. As of right now, of course, Dickerson had a great season last year as a Pirate, his first full season as a Pirate coming over from Tampa Bay. Um, also, he won a gold glove, uh, something that he wasn't well known for prior to last season. So Dickerson definitely put up good numbers for the Pirates last he year did. in his full season. However, again, because of his age and because of the fact that you got Reynolds out there playing well right now in left field, uh, it does give them some trade bait. And uh, so right now I, I agree that either player, though, I think would – be okay if they put him on the trading block because you have to get pitching and you're not going to win without it. Pitching and defense wins baseball games. You're usually not going to outslug teams most of the time and be a World Series contender. Uh, offense is always good, but the always thing that they always said is good pitching will always shut down good offense. So no doubt that these two players, uh, they've done well this season to this point right now. Uh, Cabrera has, and uh, of course Dickerson again not being able to play much, but Reynolds again taking and filling in. So uh, we'll see what the Pirates do. As again, Neil said, the Pirates right now uh, on a four-game losing streak, five games under 500, and five games out of first place. And you mentioned something that is a big deal, and I personally believe that Chicago will definitely, uh, that was their area, and Craig Kimbrell has been one of the best closers in baseball for a while. Always been impressed with the kid, and when you have um, a back end of the bullpen closer, such as Craig Kimbrell, it really will probably separate the Cubs from these other contenders right now. Um, and, you know, right now it's still a race for anybody. Even Cincinnati's not that far back. So all the teams right now in contention, but I think that this is a vital, vital time for the Pittsburgh Pirates and what they're going to do. And it seems to me like they're going to have to make a move. Um, also, uh, Aaron and I have talked a lot of times about how much money the Pirates have or doesn't have when it comes to trying to put a winner on the field. Unfortunately, again, the salary cap that is not in pro baseball does not give the Pirates, unless you have big money, something that the Pirates have not really had for years. So 
Um, but they do need to make some moves, Neil. I do agree with that. And uh, with that being said, we're going to transition out from the Pittsburgh Pirates, and we're going to talk about, it. yes, it was a disheartening loss for the Mountaineers. We talked about it on our last podcast. However, West Virginia baseball had one excellent season, uh, one of the best uh, in Mountaineer history. They hosted a regional in Morgantown. Uh, they ended up in the championship of the Big 12 tournament. They was number four seed going in. They made it to the championship round and was defeated by Oklahoma State. Uh, Texas Tech, a team that the Mountaineers beat two out of three in the regular season, is now in the final eight of the College World Series. So you can see that the Mountaineers had some big, big wins, beating them two out of three. Uh, Texas Tech, one of the hottest teams and, and best offensive teams in baseball, and the Mountaineer pitching staff shut them down for that three-game series and, again, took two out of three from Texas Tech, a team that right now is in the final eight. With that being said, the man who did it all year long, Alec Manoa, was drafted in the first round, number 11 to the Toronto Blue Jays, the 11th overall pick, the machine gun, as he's called, Alec Manoa. Um, He got drafted on Monday night. And also, uh, senior catcher uh, Ivan Gonzalez was also picked in the eighth round in that first day by the Chicago White Sox. Uh, a team that drafted the year previously, Jimmy Galuski from right here at Preston High School out of the Arthurdale area. So uh, Gonzalez may have the opportunity to meet up with uh, Jimmy Galuski, who was playing uh, either shortstop or third base in the minors. Um, so congratulations to Alec Manoa and also Gonzalez for getting picked in the first round and the eighth round. But then on the following day, the Mountaineers had six more draft picks, Neil. So they have a total of eight draft pick. So a record eight West Virginia University baseball players were selected in the 19 draft and six players were picked on that final day. Uh, Junior left-hander Nick Snyder was drafted in the 11th round by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Junior right-hander Cade Stroud was picked by the Baltimore Orioles in the 12th round. Junior center fielder Brandon White. He had two or three top 10 sports center plays uh, as an outfielder and this guy can really chase down a ball in center field. He has Unbelievable speed and just the way and the route that he takes for the ball in center field. He was selected as the 17th round by the Los Angeles Angels. Senior right fielder Darius Hill, who we spoke on our last podcast, broke Jed Jerkos, who plays for the St. Louis Cardinals and also a University High out of Morgantown uh, product and the Mountaineers, broke his record for doubles. Darius Hill was drafted by the Chicago Cubs in the 20th round. Junior catcher Chase Illig, who was actually injured this entire season, but still was picked in the 29th round by the New York Yankees and has signed. So even though he's a junior, he could have came back. He has signed. As I mean, any kid that gets drafted by the Yankees, Neil, I'm sure they'd have a hard time turning that down, even though he's sit out the entire season for the Mountaineers, picked 29th round by the New York Yankees. And junior righty uh, Sam Kessler. And again, I spoke last week, you have to feel for the kid. Two outs. Uh, Mountaineers up by three, two strikes on the batter, and Sam Kessler gave up that grand slam uh, to Texas A&M after West Virginia led 9-1, to one, and they could have moved on to a super regional against Vanderbilt if they would have taken out Texas A&M. They still would have had to defeat Duke twice in Morgantown, but it was a great year. We had that regional in Morgantown, but Sam Kessler, the eighth Mountaineer selected, by the Detroit Tigers in the 34th round. Now, as of this point, some of these juniors have signed and some haven't. Some still deciding whether or not they want to try to up their stock next year by playing for the Mountaineers again. Uh, But either way, we want to 
congratulate each and every Mountaineer that's been drafted. Congratulations to Coach Randy Mazie on bringing a regional to Morgantown, and I think that this is only the beginning of great things to come from the future of Mountaineer baseball, Neil. I'm, I am truly looking forward to what the Mountaineers are going to be doing under Coach Randy Mazie. Yeah, there's a lot of talent there. As you listed, about eight guys uh, going into the draft, and we'll have the possibility of playing uh, pro ball, and that's great for the Mountaineers. A lot of holes, though, Kelly, uh, for next season with that many guys uh, going uh, you have uh, almost the whole uh, could field a baseball team out there on the field itself with eight guys gone. So Coach uh, Maisie will have his hands full of trying to replace these young, talented players because some of them were very young and talented and uh, already making that option to go play some pro ball. So, But the big thing is, is uh, Manoa, I think he's going to be a great pitcher. He showed that. I thought that he did really well against uh, Texas Tech in the Big 12 tournament. And then uh, it seemed like in the regional, Kelly, it just seemed like Duke had his number. And that one matchup that they had, Duke just was able to to get the best of Manoa. And those are are things that he can learn from as he uh, furthers his his future with uh, the Blue Jays that uh, may help him uh, to become a better pitcher. Adversity is always something that you see how a player uh, handles it. But the thing was, uh, no matter what, you know, even if Alec Manoa would have give up one run that game, they would have still lost one nothing. So four runs, you know, for him, people's thinking, oh my, four runs. But all, you know, actually, in a college pitcher, if you have an ERA of four in college baseball, that's pretty good. But Alec Manoa was much better than that. So we're not used to seeing Alec Manoa give up more than one or two runs. No. And so when he gives up four runs, yeah, it was uh, it, yeah it's <laughs> almost like a shock. But in all honesty, a college pitcher that only gives up four runs because yeah. college baseball, you're going to see some high scoring games, as we saw with Texas A&M when we lost eleven to ten. And there's a lot of high-scoring games in the college baseball World Series, as I've seen and checked some of the scores there. So Manoa was just so good that when he gave up four runs, but on that particular night, the pitcher for Duke was just that much better. Uh, I spoke on that on the podcast as well. You don't always have to be a fireballer, as Manoa is, because this kid, he pitched in the strike zone on the corners, up, down. He had people off balance. He had his curveball working. He had his his slider working, he had his changeup working, and when you have four pitches that you can go to, the kid didn't even hardly have to throw a fastball, and the Mountaineer hitters are waiting for a fastball, and I watched the game live-streamed, and I didn't see very many fastballs. He didn't have to throw fastballs because of everything else was working so well. So this kid had four pitches, but Manoa is definitely a winner. He's a, he's a bulldog on the mound. He's a big kid, six foot seven, 240, uh, so I'm looking forward to... Uh, watching him pitch someday in Major League Baseball and, and be proud to say that he was a Mountaineer. But you are right, Neil. Eight, eight Mountaineer players drafted. But look at what that does for your recruiting. When when you hear that eight players, as a coach now, and assistant coaches, you can go into a kid's home and their Correct. family and say, we had eight Mountaineers drafted in one draft. Yeah, That's amazing. That is amazing. Uh, so I believe because of that, amazing Maisie. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. They they had an amazing year, and Maisie is going to be able to utilize the fact that we had eight players drafted to continue to stock players in Morgantown. We we got a beautiful ballpark, and uh, Big 12 baseball is at its best. So, again, I'm going to be rooting for Texas Tech and uh, believe that Texas Tech can bring back a title because West Virginia went 4-2 and two overall because they, they won the three-game uh, set in Morgantown, two out of three. Uh, we then defeated them two out of three also in the Big 12 tournament. So we ended up 4-2 and two against Texas Tech. So why wouldn't we want to see a team who we defeated 
True. Four out of six times win the College World Series. So I'll be rooting for the Big 12 and Texas Tech. Kind of like the uh, basketball team, right? Absolutely. Where uh, Texas Tech, uh, we uh, beat them in the Big 12 tournament. tournament, And then they end up in the final final, championship championship round and loses to Virginia. So absolutely, I think that you have to root for the Big 12. uh, And that just actually what it does, it just helps the conference, uh, gives them notoriety. And uh, I'm looking forward to West Virginia baseball again in the future. With that being said, though, we're going to go over to mountaineer basketball we have some news uh, again coming out of morgantown that uh, there's no doubt about it neil this portal stuff and that's in basketball and football uh we had some people a lot of the kids again leave uh be put into the portal and there's no doubt that bob huggins cleaned house now we're going to talk a little bit about neil brown as well and why some of the mountaineer football players have also put their names into the portal and there seemed to be a lot of mountaineer fans getting a little disgruntled before knowing what was going on so, but first we're going to go to basketball. Uh, we know that we lost Beetle Bolden. We know that uh, Sagabal Kanate is said he is not coming back no matter what. Whether he gets drafted in the NBA draft or not, he will play overseas if he doesn't get drafted or go to the G League. Um, and then you had uh, you know, Wesley Harris that was dismissed from the team. Um, we had uh, different players that has put their names into that transfer p- portal, but Huggins has definitely put a great recruiting class together. And just recently, we just added another person to that class. Who is that, Neil? Yeah, Ethan Richardson. He's a six foot ten center slash forward. He's a, a JUCO player. He comes from Fresno Community College. He over, averaged a little over 16 points a game, seven rebounds a game. So he's going to be your primary backup to either Colvert or Shebway. Whoever uh, they feel like, I, I now here's my thought, Kelly. I think that uh, Huggins is still going to get another big guy. He's got um, three scholarships still on hand. Uh, I wouldn't be, a, or I think maybe it's two. Excuse me, two two scholarships on hand. I believe he can get another uh, big man. I think he will. The other one, I don't know what he'll do. That's uh, Canate's scholarship. Uh, whether he holds that, maybe he can use it for next year. But I do believe. They will get another big guy, a power forward, to play behind Shebway. And then you'll have Ethan Richardson playing behind Culver. That's what I see, whether I'm right, wrong. I could be wrong on this, but that's what I'm feeling, that he's going to go and get one other big guy uh, to play along that front line. We have talked about scenarios, you and I, and uh, you know we happened to go to the game together against Coastal Carolina, and you could just tell that uh, the team was just kind of at that point. Everybody was expecting them to win, go to the championship, and possibly win uh, that that tournament there that we lost to coastal carolina but i think that he has definitely had uh a change of heart as a coach and basically bob huggins has come out to say he will never again allow kids to run him and in that game we know that culver showed up late and missed the first half which really changed the whole continuity of that game and coastal carolina comes out not worried about anybody uh, inside or having to have that presence of culver and gets a big lead and basically just ran away with that game from the beginning. But I think that the the presence is going to change, and I think Bob Huggins is back in control, and he's not going to allow this to happen again. What do you think? Well, you, you take a look at the recruits he's got. he got uh, Sean McNeil, and he's got Taz Sherman. Both those guys are excellent three-point shooters. They can shoot from the perimeter. They're going to be dynamic uh, guards coming in. You have McBride, who is a point guard that they are bringing in. These are just recruits uh, for this this season, and then you had a Shibwe in there. Shibwe, a, a talented five-star five star. player 
that'll be coming in playing alongside Colvert. And then now you bring in Ethan uh, Richardson to help along with that front line because uh, Gordon had left and went yeah. into that transfer porter. That's the other guy that you, you, you miss. But uh, and, and don't get me wrong, I think uh, Gordon was a great ball player, but I don't know. And he went to Louisiana Tech, I believe, is where he's going to end up at. But nonetheless, I, I didn't think he had his footwork ready for the Big 12. I'm thinking that this Ethan Richardson has a little bit better um, work ethic, especially with his feet, and uh, that's why he's going to be backing up covert i think they're going to work good together and i'm still looking to see if bob huggins will bring in another uh, power forward uh, to back up sheboy well they definitely had some confidence at the end of the season and they definitely made the big 12 run and as we said they defeated texas tech in the big 12 tournament who goes on to play virginia and was right in the game to the final moments uh, of winning a national championship so uh, i'm looking forward to that as well but before we get to see the hardwood again and Bob Huggins and what he has with these new players, we are getting close uh, to a new era. We're getting close to that Neil Brown era, and there's been a lot going on, Neil, over the last two to three weeks again in this old uh, transfer portal. Uh, a lot of grumblings from what I've seen and heard from some Mountaineer fans wondering what in the world is going on when we lose early on we lose Marcus Sims. Um, and we, we kind of wondered why, because Marcus Sims had the most depth and experience and understanding, uh, when it comes to, and a big play guy, uh, that people was looking forward to, uh, seeing him in the end zone a good bit in the same way that Gary Jennings, who two years ago, and he had one touchdown, Gary Jennings puts up huge numbers, gets drafted in the NFL draft. I think Marcus Sims was that person that all Mountaineer fans was hoping and believing to be that same and next, uh, Jennings and David Sills. Um, and then we have. Two starting defensive backs, way more than that has actually entered into the portal as far as D-backs go. seems like we were losing a lot of defensive backs. But uh, so all this stuff, and I myself was wondering what is going on in Morgantown. What is happening? We finally hear and heard what has finally happened. Some of these players was not going to play at all because of conduct detrimental to the team. Now, whether that be something that they did that they sh- shouldn't have been doing or grades, a lot of this comes from what I understand from grades that they wasn't living up to their ability in the classroom. And to me, Neil Waldeck, Neil Brown is saying the same way that Bob Huggins just said last year, I will no longer do this. Neil Brown's going to do it the right way. If you are not going to class, if you are doing things outside of Mountaineer Nation, that uh, I'm sure that they write up their own uh, code of conduct. Right. And so if you're not living up to the code of conduct to play for Neil Brown, you're not going to play. I agree. And that's what Neil Brown needs to do. And that's exactly what he's doing. And, you know, and it, it may not have been grades, all of it, but, but it's certainly, uh, if, if it's not, if you're not going to go by the rules, then you're, you become a cancer on the team. And even though, you know, Marcus Sims uh, was a great uh, wide receiver, and probably you would sit there and say, "Well, we needed him. He's he was our best wide receiver, and now he's gone." But you got to remember now, Neil Brown's always looking ahead too. He brought him in a couple of uh, uh, wide receivers, one from um, Temple and one, and from, one Florida from Florida State. State. Yeah. So he's got, and both are very tall at six foot four. So these are going to be very talented wide receivers. The one from Florida State has experience. He was a five star at one point in time. He's been hampered with injuries, but he could possibly come in, and this could be his year to shine uh, in a Mountaineer uniform. Uh, and so uh, Neil Brown is playing it. Uh, he's also gotten some depth at that 
that uh, in the secondary for defensively had a young uh, uh, secondary man come from New Hampshire that they've signed. So uh, he's looking out, but he's also trying to lower the expectation of this team because he knows that with this transfer portal, he's got new players coming in. It's a new system. You're trying to form this team to come together, and it's going to be tough, Kelly. It's going to be tough for Neil uh, Neil Brown to bring all this together and get this team to play on the same page. It may, and and it may, you may say, well, the, the, maybe they lose to James Madison. Maybe they lose the first three games, but then they start to click. And so th- that may be something that we could see at the beginning. And New Mountaineer fan is going to want to see us lose to, like, James Madison or something like that. But you got to give Neil Brown credit. He's sticking to what got him here, and he's going to continue that process with these young men. I'm all about it. I'm all about discipline. I've spoke it on uh, Sports Blitz in the past, and I've spoke it on a Sports Roundtable here. If you have a lack of discipline, if you can't have players that are going to do what they need to do outside the classroom – how can you expect them to do it and actually have that team camaraderie with your brothers uh, as you, again, it's all about team. It's not about I. And so if you can't go to class, how is your your team expecting for you to show up every Saturday or every practice? Because it's what you do on the practice field also that's going to determine what you do on Saturday. So I'm all about uh, the disciplinary action taken by Neil Brown. I will give him the uh, as much time as he needs because yes. I personally feel it's what's wrong with our nation today. I think that, you know, all uh, you know, sports talk aside, the problem in general in our nation today is basically kids thinking that they can pretty much just do what they want without any um, corresponding action for their actions. And so I'm all about Neil Brown doing what he has to do. Uh, we can't look at it, Neil, even the fact that we lost three starters to the portal because all three of them, again, is a reason, and so people need to give Neil Brown uh, credit for doing what he's doing and standing and sticking to his guns for the sake of the team in the long run, even if it means losing some of your starters, three starters up to this point. But he's going to have kids in there that's going to do it his way or no way, and so kudos to Neil Brown. So I'm looking forward to Mountaineer football, uh, Neil, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's about that time. I mean, we are here again tonight. It's June 11th, and they will be before you know it. They'll be uh, tying up those cleats, and uh, you know we can hear the sounds of Mountaineer Nation rising up from Morgantown, and uh, so there's a lot of excitement in the air. And again, I look forward to this year's edition. Whether they end up with a bowl or don't. You know, if if they get five or six wins, they get those six wins and get to a bowl. Again, we've talked about this. It will be an excellent season for a new coach coming in and a new system with a lot of kids, again, who's trying to get adapted to the coaching staff. So uh, I look forward to definitely um, seeing what Neil Brown has in store right now, Neil. And it's been uh, a pleasure having you here tonight again as I'm uh, Kelly Gamble filling in for Aaron Host and Neil Waldeck here with me tonight and again this episode of the sports roundtable has been brought to you by brouhaha in kingwood again where the coffee beans are roasted in-house and the coffee tastes delicious from three guys fitness in reedsville you can go to three guys fitness and tell them that you heard this ad on the sports roundtable here at 96.7 k country and they'll give you five dollars off your initial membership fee also by parks and bruce and mills where they have all your Kubota tractors and equipment ready for you to do your yard work as well as anything that you may need in farming equipment. So, again, with Neil Waldeck, I'm Kelly Gamble, 
Until next week, we'll talk to you then.